Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. So grateful y'all are here today. We've got a number of announcements, so we'll get to it and share it with you. First of all, if you have prayer concerns that you would like to be shared with the congregation as part of worship and shared with our Tuesday prayer group, if you'll raise your hand, uh, an usher will bring you a card and a pencil. If you'll just write legibly, very clearly, easy to understand. And if you don't want it read in worship, just in the Tuesday prayer group, if you'll just indicate that on the card. Um, we have an Exploring Memorial class two weeks from today. It'll be August 14th. It'll be in the social hall between this building and the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. You can meet other new uh, visitors to the church. You can meet staff. You can take a tour of the church and learn more about the United Methodist Church and um, uh, Memorial in particular. Um, next week is the ice cream uh, social at the, at the lake, um, Lake Robinson at 5 p.m. It'll be in the picnic shelter if anybody needs directions. Uh, call the church office and I'll um, get them to you, but it's the shed on the edge of Lake Robinson, and you're asked to bring a um, churn of ice cream or a dessert that you love, and I would bring your sunglasses. Usually the sun is, uh, is out and plenty bright at that um, thing. Um, in terms of worship, we picked our new book, um, Fear of the Other, No Fear in Love. It's by Bishop Will Williman. It also starts on August 14th. We've ordered about 90 books, and uh, I think that's going to be plenty for the people in the church that want them. I uh, hope they're here this week and that we can give them out at, uh, at church uh, on Sunday, next Sunday, the 7th. Um, Bishop Williman will be here on October 16th. So no matter what you're doing, put that in ink. Make sure you're here that day. Um, he will be leading us in both services. He is a um, treat. I, th I think he's awesome. Um, we are shifting what we do with the children in terms of worship. As I said last week, we're going away from a children's sermon in both worship services. Um, we figure in the best way to um, teach them is in the classroom, and we're also developing a um, time where kindergartners through second graders who would typically come down for the children's sermon will go off for their own worship service. Um, they will learn more about um, both worship styles, about the Bible, about the hymnal, about um, prayer, so that when they come into worship and start staying in worship, they've got a pretty decent sense of what we're doing, um, why we're doing it, where we're doing it. Um, on August 21st, at 11 a.m., you've seen that in the emails, it's not a typo. There's a meeting for children's ministry volunteers. We hope that if, they, if you want to go to worship that day, you'll come to this service and then go to that meeting at 11. It's, um, we know that people's lives in August, just, it just comes apart with all sorts of different details. And so we figure a time that you, is probably not after you is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And so all children's ministry volunteers can get an um, orientation to a pretty drastically different um, children's ministry plan. I think once you grasp it, you're going to love it um, in the way that it's developed, whether you are, it's kind of like a BBS model. You're either a um, shepherd where you're guiding the kids like a homeroom teacher, or you're a rotation teacher, meaning if you've never taught children in your life, but you know woodworking, you can teach children for three weeks, teach them about woodworking. You don't have to be responsible for discipline, anything like that. The homeroom teachers have that part. And you're just having fun teaching them about uh, woodworking in a way that Aaron has developed. So August 21st at 11 a.m. Um, Greer Community Ministries is looking for drivers for Meals on Wheels. This is not a complicated job. It just takes time. Um, you would go to Greer Community Ministries is over there. Um, and you would deliver 25, 30 meals to people in a particular region. 
and uh, you won't believe what a um, fun feeling it is to take it to them. I've mostly taken them to the apartments uh, that are very close there. It's a neat thing to do and meet those people and make human contact with them. The human contact is just as important as the meal. Um, we have online giving, text to give, and recurring giving. Um, you can see in the bulletin how to do that. We're going to put it in the email. You just text uh, the amount that you want to give to a number, and it um, sets you up for a way to uh, give one time or give as a weekly gift or a monthly gift. You won't see the Kates anymore put any money in the plate, and that's not because we've given up and not giving any more to the church. It's because it's going digitally. I love to not think about it ever again. It just goes, um, so you'll see that. Um, we ha I want you to get used to a number, and uh, it's uh, in the bulletin. It will be everywhere you have. It's an emergency pastoral care number. It's uh, 864. You're probably not writing this down, but it's 864-256-0975. It's a Google Voice number that I can give to any minister in our church. I'm saying that because I'm going out of town today through next Sunday. If you had a pastoral care issue and you call the church office on a Saturday at 2 o'clock, we're going to figure out about Monday morning at 9 o'clock. But if you call this number, leave a message, it goes immediately to someone who can come and be with you in the hospital or be with you in your home or whatever that may be. Um, so you'll see that soon enough. I think that's plenty of announcements. That's probably enough to handle, isn't it? Let's start our worship service. Please stand and sing with us.
please. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today thankful that we've woken up for another day. Uh, we pray that this morning you would speak through the band, speak through Joe, and our hearts would be opened um, to hear what you have to say to us um, so that we would learn a little bit more about you and grow a little closer to you. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
greet your neighbor. of a worship service is to bring new members into the church. This is Ryan and Taryn Jones and their baby Ian, who normally would be uh, right down the hall there, but I wanted him to hang out so y'all could see his face. He's a wild man. Um, we're going to contain him here for a couple minutes. Um, Ryan works for BMW, and so he, you get your schedule a year out, don't you? And sometimes on Sunday morning, um, but when you see those awesome BMWs going down the interstate, uh, he had a part in that. Um, and Taryn does uh, child care at home and also takes care of their child. They come from Wesley Chapel UMC in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so the questions that we ask them for membership for our church are pretty simple. Uh, and y'all have a participation in it. Um, I ask them a question and then y'all participate and you'll see your part in bold. So as members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. Congregation, will you support them? Members of this household, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. Welcome. I'm glad to have you. Y'all been here a while, but we're glad to officially have you. All right, buddy, you get to go. Caitlin, I want you to come up here. We have uh, prayer concerns that are shared with us, and I also am going to have you pray for Caitlin. The concern shared with us is that the Spirit of God to fill the souls here at Memorial, that we may understand God's will and purpose and love for us and for the Charles Burnett, for Charles Burnett and family. And I'll have you uh, pray for Dr. Bridges, his family. We had an amazing worship service yesterday. People came pretty far distances to be here. I thought it was a very faithful service. The family participated. It was great. You'll pray for them and their um, going home. So since uh, March 1st, officially uh, this week, we've hired five people for eight positions. And Kaylin is our latest hire. Kaylin is going to do all sermons and pastoral care for Memorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go hang out, watch Netflix. No. No. What is it you're doing? No. Um, Kaylin is going to be our contemporary worship director. Um, she, her first Sunday was right about my first Sunday in the band. And um, we all seen... Uh, 
her confidence grow in front of the crowd and also with the band. She's got organizational skills. She's got musical skills. And she's going to be leading us from here forward on two uh, very different fronts. One front is the volunteer side, making sure we get um, these donuts, which are the reason y'all come to worship, I believe, and coffee and, um, and greeters and stuff, but also the band side. Um, she's going to be coming in on Thursdays and meet with me and talking about worship then prepping the band for practice, then leading practice, and then leading us on Sunday morning. Um, so if y'all join me in uh, praying for Caitlin as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we um, pray to you with our concerns, our joys, our love, because we know that you're listening. We ask you to be with those families uh, that we have mentioned and those that are not mentioned. We ask you to be with um, Thomas and Caitlin as they make this um, pretty significant shift in their lives. We pray for her that um, she may have the confidence to do the things she knows to do, to help organize the band, to help organize our worship service. Uh, help us support her in every single way. Help us support her family um, in this new promise that she's making. It's in your son's name we pray, uh, who taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome. If y'all see a Staff Parish member Give them a hug. They've done very good work um, in getting us people. I'm going to introduce you to our new um, financial administrator on the third Sunday. That'll be a finance meeting. Uh, that'll be August 21st. We have a new person who's going to be here um, uh, uh, during the business day. Um, and that we'll introduce you. I'll give you a full introduction. But we're excited um, to have that um, incredibly important position settled. Um, Today's our last day where we're looking at um, scripture passages on creeks, lakes, and streams. Um, all summer long we've looked at ways in which people encountered um, themselves, encountered God, encountered Jesus by a body of water that changed their life going forward from that. So today we're looking at chapter 14, verse 1, and it's Jesus walking on the water. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So phrase number one, immediately after what? This is immediately after they fed the 5,000. And really it's better to say the 5,000 plus. Because anytime they're referencing numbers, they're talking about males, because males were the one writing it. Probably if females had something to do with it, they probably would have counted the females and probably would have counted the children. Lots and lots of people were fed that day. And they are now going out on the water. Jesus retreated. A huge crowd followed him. And in his exhaustion, he fed 5,000 people. Because that was immediately after something. That's your next phrase. Which was immediately after what? He found out John the Baptist had been killed for speaking his mind to the king. It's been a crazy chapter. I don't know exactly the length of time. You know, you never know if it was a couple days or a couple hours or a couple weeks. But 
the one who preceded you, the one who set up your ministry, the one who was in this with you, spoke to the king in a way that the king didn't, or spoke to the queen, the king in a way the king didn't like, especially the queen didn't like, and the queen did something about it. And so it's very real to Jesus that the things that I say are going to cause people to harm me. And I've also lost my very dear friend. So that happens in the first part of 14. Then he feeds 5,000 plus people. Then our story today. So your next phrase, the mountain. He went up on a mountain to pray. This is um, a perfect indicator of tying him back to the Old Testament. And that's because time and time again, when people wanted to figure something out with God, or God wanted them to figure something out, they went up on the side of a mountain. You know why that's so perfect for us? Because of all of our camps and retreat centers in this area that are church-affiliated, Y-affiliated, um, sure there's state-affiliated, whatever they may be. We go up that road, 25, 276, 14, and there's something permanent about those mountains that we see. And lots of times your cell phone signal's a little weaker, and so it buzzes a little less. You're pulled away from the things that divide you, and you're pulled into a group that unites you, and you talk about some pretty heavy subjects in a pretty important way. So Jesus goes up the mountain to better understand what God wants him to be and what God wants him to do. And Matthew's Gospel in particular ties Jesus to the Old Testament and ties Jesus to the actions of Moses so that the readers of that text can understand this is the fulfillment of everything that everybody said before that. Let's look at verse 23. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Here's your next phrase. Um, the opposite of sleeping in the boat. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is sleeping during a storm. And the people on the boat look at him like, what are you losing? What's wrong with you? Don't you care if we die? How could you be sleeping in this moment? Which, um, you know, as I was saying before, Matthew tying him back, who, who have we talked about in this particular series? Sleeping at the bottom of a boat because he knew what was going on in the midst of the storm was Jonah. Jesus isn't sleeping in the bottom of the boat, which was annoying. He's coming across the water to the boat, which is, I would guess, at best, creepy. Like, stop being so creepy. Why are you coming at us like that? That's freaking us out. These are two dramatically different reactions to storms on the same water. When he was asleep, they were asking, do you care if we die? When he's walking on water, he's like, is this a ghost? And as this goes here to harm us or help us. So with those two mindsets, I'll ask you these two questions. Do you sometimes feel that Jesus is distracted from your pain? That would be the sleeping Jesus. And you think, do you even know? Do you understand what's going on with me? Do you understand what's going on with my job? Do you understand what's going on with my health? Do you understand what's going on with my loved one? Do you, are you paying attention? everything that Jesus has abandoned you altogether. Those guys that were out on that ship in that storm thinking, he sent us out here. He's not here. And now this storm is uh, really coming after us. 
Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. If, if we could have some sort of video of me being so jumpy in the house when anybody comes around the corner, whether it be uh, a 10-year-old um, who is a third my size, I just scream like a crazy person. And they actually are starting to start, they're preying on my um, fear of someone coming around the corner. Just think about those disciples. It's not a comforting, Jesus is here. It's a, what's he doing? Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Number one thing people say when you are frightened, hey, don't be afraid. Oh, okay. All right, I won't be then. Thanks. <laughs> Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You ever notice he walked on the water for a couple steps? That's pretty significant. Of course, we talk about him falling in and his fears and that sort of thing, but he walked on the water for a couple steps. So here's your next phrase. Jesus is most often mistaking for something or someone else. Is there anybody in the Bible who's mistaken for something or someone else more? You think about Goliath. People know who Goliath is. King David? Yeah, we know who King David is. Uh, Herod? Yeah, everybody knows who Herod is. Nobody's mistaking him. There's something about his ordinariness and his extraordinariness, and there's no in-between. He's presented as ordinary, but he's doing extraordinary things. And so people think he's some major Old Testament biblical figure reincarnated. They think he's uh, John the Baptist reincarnated. They think he's a ghost. They think he's just some average guy. They know for a fact, he, who's this guy? From Nazareth. Mistaken, mistaken, mistaken. And understand, I'm not making fun. I'm one of the worst people at identifying who someone is. I remember just enough to get in trouble. It's taken me 16 years in ministry to not guess verbally out loud to a person who they are. I've just recently stopped doing that. That is the dumbest thing possible. Now, you work at Bose, right? Mm -mm. No, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Okay, um, but you, you work for Ford, right? No, no, I'm a teacher. Great, all right, so this has gone well. I'm going to run over here now and maybe never talk to y'all again, right? I remembered, and I've told y'all before, something Katie says all the time. She goes, mm, so close. That's as close as I get, real close, but I don't get it exactly right. These people really struggle to identify him when he's doing something really special. Look at the next phrase. If it is you. Now granted, we have to give them credit for a lot of times when they do this, there's so much information to take in, so much significance to take in that people are having a hard time processing. But that's probably only 35-40% of it max. 60, 65, 70% of it is people just kind of want to see Jesus do something else. And that's not a new thing. 
people have done it with God since there has been God in human beings. If it's you, if you really exist, if you love me, sort of like the... Um, uh, I, it's not fair to say a particular age, but there's different phases in childhood and teenage life where um, you say to the parent, um, you know, if you love me, you know, my friend has an iPhone. You know, my other friend has an iPhone. Um, we talk about love a lot around here. You know it would be great if you really loved me. Uh, adults do it too. We do it to one another in the workplace. We do it in the church. He's saying, if it's you, meaning 50-50, do something cool. Jesus, in fact, one time says, um, the greatest thing you can do is believe in me. What do you think their response is? Oh, um, okay, do something. Do something cool so that we can express our deep faith in who you are. Give us action. Give us things so that our faith, we don't really have to stretch in order to have faith in you. He said, if it's you, I'd like a little more proof. Call me out there. And I'll see if I can believe. So let me give you some quotes from David Lowe. He's one of my favorite theologians, uh, commentator on Scripture. He says there's opposing thoughts going on in this text. And, and here are the four. We've got the four, right? Yeah. Um, Peter's simultaneously realizing the height of the waves around him. It says he sees the wind. I don't know what that means, other than there's a big wave coming. He's simultaneously aware of the height around him and the depth below him. And both weird him out a lot. And, uh, you know, any of us walking on water are going to be weirded out by such a thing. He's excited both by the life that Jesus offers in this excitement, but also the death that could happen right now. I could die right now by sinking to the bottom like a rock. The courage that he has to get out of the boat and the fear that he has that sinks him down. These are things that we struggle with all the time. The faith that he sort of has. I, you know, I sort of believe it's you out there. If it is you, do something cool so I can see it. And the doubt that he has. We, of course, don't make fun of Peter for a second. He's that student that every teacher loves that raised their hand. You know, in Sunday school, when you ask the, the Sunday school class a question, and everybody just kind of goes like this. You know, that person that speaks up and says something, that's a big deal to a teacher, even if it's crazy. If you ask about faith and they talk about hippos, at least somebody's saying something. We're getting conversation going. You have to give him credit for stepping out there. Recognize the things that are at war within him and recognize those things are at war within us too. Here's another quote from David. He said, I have often overlooked God's presence in the peaceful and pleasant portions of my life, yet called out in earnest when things took a difficult turn. Does that sound fair? Honestly, um, the one thing I would contend with him is, you know, sometimes you, you know, we talk about mountains or um, we're going to the beach today. Sometimes you look out at creation and you go, good Lord, this is amazing. And a peaceful situation makes you just as aware of God and thankful as an awful one. But an awful one drives you there in a hurry and makes you faithful in a hurry and loving and reaching out in a way that can you help me? Verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. 
Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Why do you think they believe that? We just saw something really cool. But they're getting there. They're drawing closer. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. How many of y'all have been in, um, uh, been a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant? Those of you who have, when you see a Greyhound bus pulling up, do you think, excellent, I'm going to make more tips tonight? Or do you think, if I quit, what other source of income could I find? <laughs> Right? It took me a long time to realize why I got anxiety when the restaurant was full. Because I have a um, solid work ethic. I like to work. But there's something about I wanted connections with the people. I wanted to understand what they wanted. And I wanted to give them what they wanted like a ghost. I wanted to anticipate what they needed without asking them. I wanted to not come up and go, do y'all want the check? Do y'all want the check? Do y'all want the check? Do you want the check now? You want me to take this? You want me to take that? You want me to take that? I just wanted to, I wanted to understand without doing anything. And when I was running around with eight tables, three of which that had eight people, it, it was too, you know, computers have a measurement of, I think it's RAM, how much they can process in, is that right? That's it. How much they can process in one moment? I didn't have the RAM. And I wanted to be able to talk to people one-on-one -on -one and understand what they wanted. I never saw dollar signs. So when I hear Jesus wanting to go up a mountain to understand what God wanted, and in so doing, 7,500, 8,000, 8,500 people followed him, and then we didn't have any food, and then there was a storm, and now when we get on the other side of the boat, there's some more people, and they're getting off a Greyhound bus. That makes you know that gives me nightmares that we can't possibly fix this entire thing. I have to know that I can't fix the entire thing. Nor can you. But we can have a little part in it. We can understand what God wants us to do. We can understand the way that Jesus interacted with the people. We can understand in every one of these aspects along the water, there was an opportunity to come back. There was provision that preceded any action. There was promise given. And there was opportunity to go forward. So let's look at um, four pictures from our series. So the, the first thing we ever talked about was just water, period. Creation. Genesis 2. Provision, hope, purpose, opportunity. Expanding and nourishing creation, as in Genesis. Let's look at the next one. We talked about Moses protecting us as he did Moses in Exodus. Let's look at the next one. Reminding us of our place, Jonah. Remember when Jonah said, I don't know. I don't even like those people. I can decide um, uh, who I want to help and who I don't want to help. And the water reminded him of his place that day. Let's look at the next one. Calling us to a greater purpose. John the Baptist is baptizing people and he's like, this is great, people are coming. He's real intense. Then Jesus comes and he says, mm-mm. No, that's too big a deal for me. 
And Jesus says, you're exactly the one that's going to do it. So expanding and nourishing creation, protecting us, reminding us of our place, and calling us to a greater purpose. We've talked about water all summer long. And it's all to help us realize how much God has provided for us, how much hope God has given us, how much provision before we ever even noticed there was provision, and what opportunities we have to respond. I'm excited about the fall. I'm excited about the worship series that's coming. And I'm excited about being here to do it. Let's pray together. Lord, sometimes we get stuck in extremes. We feel the great height and the great depth of this calling. And both are beyond frightening to us and discouraging. We feel life and death sometimes smashed too close to one another. We feel courage and fear. We feel faith and doubt. We rock it back and forth between each of these words based on events that happen to us as if we have no compass. Help us to call on you, Lord, for that compass, for that stability in the craziness of our lives. Help us when we drive over water on the interstate, on a back highway, when we see a pond on the back of property, when we see a creek, to understand every way that you have reached out to your people beside water. Bless us on our journey that we can begin this program year in your name. Amen. Stand and join me in our modern affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings, and I encourage you to look at the bulletin to see uh, different ways that you can give online.
all the hopeless and all those who stray come sit at the table come taste the grace there's a rest for the weary rest that endures earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure sing with us.
not to look at my email or voicemail. Y'all write things that you think of that I just won't look at it and we'll respond on Monday. <laughs> if I respond back, write me back and say, stop responding back. Um, I feel really good about what's coming when we come back. I never studied really for a really big test in high school, but I imagine this is what it feels like to have studied for a really big test. Um, the fall that's coming, I think we have a great plan. I think we have a great staff. I think we've got um, Planning Center is really getting us organized and ready uh, for our space, for our security, for our people, for our giving. Um, it's going to be fun. But before that, I'm going to take a break. Um, thank you all for coming to worship today. Thank you for participating. Thank you for those who helped us lead this service. And now receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all.
아멘. I King of Heaven when victory's won May I reach heaven so your bright heaven sun Heart of my own heart whatever befalls still be Great week.